What is cooking, everyone? This is scriptwriter Steve, and you reach my podcast, Barbecue to Movies. Today is February 8th, 2021. It is the day after the Super Bowl. Now, so how did everyone like it? I loved it. I really, really loved it, man. It was great. I, I know the score was 31 to 9. You know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, they, uh, I guess they used to call them the Suckaneers, but now with Tom Brady, you know, changing the entire culture there, um, <laughs> it looks as though they may have a little small franchise going on there. And if uh, Tom Brady sticks around, which he said he will, um, it looks as though, you know, I think for the next couple of years, I think uh, the Bucks will be the team to beat. They they will be the team to beat. Uh, my homeboy, yeah, he didn't even score a touchdown. Now, even though the score was 31-9, to let's not forget. I mean, I was, I was in it on this game until maybe about, when was it? I, I was... Maybe about the the last half of the fourth quarter, because let's not forget, in um, San Francisco they were actually winning um, KC last year. It was I think it was twenty to seven or twenty to ten or something like that, and and that was in the fourth quarter with only about I think seven minutes left, and I think KC scored twenty one points in the last seven minutes of the game, or it was something like that. So, you know, KC was never out of this. I mean, they they, they are just, they can put up points. I mean, so, so I was always on my back heel and thinking, man, just wait for it, just wait for it. You know, Kansas City is going to get the ball rolling, and they're just, if, if they get that momentum going, they could actually make this pretty interesting, even though it was 31-9. So, uh but when that, um, I guess the last, the last touchdown was intercepted in the end zone um, by uh, by that linebacker White. I forgot his first name. Uh, that much pretty much spelled the end to everything. Um, as far as the commercials went, you know they really weren't that funny. Um, I, I guess, I, I guess for the last has it been the last ten years? These Super Bowl commercials have not been very funny at all, and I really can't blame the writers because you know this progressive world. Uh, you know, progressive or Democrats, Democrats or liberal liberals—they've really, they've really killed comedy. I mean, you make fun of a Ferris wheel, and you're guaranteed to offend someone. So, what in the world can you make fun of? I mean, it is just—you know—you're just paralyzed as a as a comic writer. Like, you you don't want to offend anyone, so you have to make you have to make a um, I guess fun of Trump. Though the only person you can actually make fun of these days is Donald Trump. And then it's okay. You can call Donald Trump every single name. And his supporters. You can make fun of every single thing about his supporters. That's okay. Anyone else, that's a group that's protected by, by everything. Right? Freedom, of it, freedom to be offensive only applies to, be, to offend Trump supporters. That's what I've come to like learn over the past, like I think, four years. So I loved it that Tom Brady, when he walked into the stadium, he wasn't wearing a mask. It wasn't, wasn't social distancing. And then here comes the virtual signaling mask Nazis. And they're out there on Twitter just like waving their finger and, and, and angry texting and every, you know, angry tweeting back and forth. And oh my God, like they, they, they just couldn't stand it. That Tom Brady, who actually is a friend of Donald Trump, and then he's not wearing a mask. And oh, it just triggered them. So they wanted to cheer, cheer against the goat, the greatest of all time, just because he's white. He's a Donald Trump supporter. Oh, he's not wearing a mask. More than likely, he's a white supremacist. Oh my god! So, oh my god! 
Anyway, I can go on and on and on about this. So today, um, I have a pretty interesting show today. I was working on it on Saturday, to tell you the truth, and I decided to put it out today because um, I had to kind of tweak it a little. I have my pieces of paper here right in front of me. I'm making a sound effect right here. That's actual paper, by the way, going back and forth, uh, picking up on my very sensitive, oversensitive cell phone uh, microphone here that apparently is as sensitive as a liberal. But um, yeah, it, it, I'm just going to want I want to talk about the storytelling methodology of the left. And it's really gotten crazy. Um, you know, myself, I keep telling you, I call myself scriptwriter Steve um, because I, and I call myself a professional storyteller because that's what I am. And, you know, again, storytelling, I believe everyone tells stories, right? We're all storytellers. It, you don't have to be, um, you know, a professional storyteller to be a storyteller. You don't have to be a, and whenever I say storyteller, people think, oh, you're a journalist or a novelist or, no, if you take a photograph and you're a professional, you're a professional storyteller in that sense because, you're telling the story with photographs. It's just that the medium has changed from a typewriter to a photograph. If you're a painter, you're a storyteller. If you're a politician, you're a storyteller. If you're a minister, you're a storyteller. And a lot of times, even fishermen out there, when they come out there and they tell you about their big fish stories, that's storytelling. So, um, you know, you we're all storytellers at heart. And the thing about it is that when fictional storytelling, me fictional storytelling methods, you know, when they're used in politics... It becomes one word, it's propaganda. And that's what we have here by the left. And I want to explain to you all of the fictional story, storytelling methods they use. Um, in fact, I use these in when I write fiction myself. Um, but they should never be applied to real life circumstances. And in fact, what President Trump is being um, impeached on um, is basically, it's a fictionalist propaganda. It's, fic it's fictional storytelling by the left. All right, so... I'm going to get into this. I got to cut to commercial. It's been six minutes already, kind of long, right? But I'm going to cut to commercial. When we get back, we'll get straight into this. And hopefully, you'll stick around after that commercial because this will be very, very interesting. What is going on, everyone? This is your favorite complainer in chief, scriptwriter Steve, with a shameless plug for Dream Weddings Hawaii, a company that I just happen to own. Now we specialize in romantic, intimate beach weddings, but plan weddings of all sizes and shapes. Gala weddings, eloping, surprise vow renewal, no problemo. So if you are looking to tie the knot here in Hawaii, you better get in touch with me. Now Dream Weddings Hawaii delivers quality that is extremely affordable, but don't just take my word for it. Visit our website at dreamweddingshawaii.com and find out for yourself. That's dreamweddings with an S, that's weddings with an S, hawaii.com. So, look at our awesome photos, check out our awesome, beautiful, touching ceremony videos, then take a look at our cheap prices, which I promise you won't faint at. Now, don't forget to read our five-star reviews. And by the way, we also take professional family photos. So, visit our site at dreamweddingshawaii.com or just buzz me at 808-479-0685. That's 808-479-0685. Okay, welcome back to Barbecue to Movies. Now, before I get into the fictional storytelling methods of the left, or why don't we just say politics, right? I mean, before I get into propaganda or the creation of propaganda, um, I wanted to kind of touch upon this real quick subject on how the 
left and the right actually interprets the truth. Now, if you're on the right, and when I say right, we're always talking about conservatives, uh, Republicans, um, libertarians can fit on there. And even um, those who are kind of independent thinkers, many of them are, many of them think in absolutes, black or white, either or, male or female. So why don't we just take the topic of sex, right? Now, sex to a Republican or a conservative, you're either male or female. And, um, but to a liberal or someone on the left or progressive, there's not just male or female. There's like a very large plethora of choices one can have. And um, the way they think on the left is very metaphoric. So on the right, we have very absolute thinkers, right? You know, male and female, two genders. On the left, well, it's a metaphoric thing. It's a metaphoric thinking. And not to say that it's wrong. It's just actually how they think. So the number of genders to the on the left can always change. And in fact, they can always add and subtract things. And, and they can have a huge rainbow of, of uh, I guess, different versions of a male, different versions of a female. Um, and you can have a, you know, a, a male who has periods, you know, a male who can give birth. And that would still be a male to them. Uh, different pronouns would have to be applied to them. And it gets very confusing. So that when the left and the right try to communicate to each other, it's very, very difficult because they're speaking almost two different languages of logic, very much two different langu- uh, languages, languages of logic. So, so uh, it's almost like two different love languages, right? So we're talking logic languages. So um, when we talk about, though, storytelling, this is where both the left and the right kind of come together because they both use the same type of fictional storytelling methods, especially when they create propaganda. So I'm going to go over those fictional storytelling methods with you. Why don't we just call them propaganda methods, right, for short. And uh, there's two things we're going to talk about. One, we're going to start off with propositional logic. And then we're going to go into canonization, all right? So I know those things kind of don't sound very entertaining, but trust me, it's pretty interesting. So if you hold on and listen all the way to the end, I promise you'll you'll be a little bit more enlightened um, and then maybe you'll be a little bit more impressed at how smart I am or something like that, right? Or probably, you probably may like say, oh, Steve, you have no idea what you're talking about. I think I'm a just complete idiot. Okay, so why don't we go straight into the first one? Propositional logic. So what is propositional logic? Well, <laughs> long story short, I'm going to tell you this. I learned this back in college and I took this course um, over a math course and, um, and, I, and I guess it actually substituted for math, uh, for some reason or another, because when you talk about talk about propositional logic, there are all these different theorems. There are all different forms of logical arguments without actually using any words, which is very interesting. And you can use this to form, I guess, I guess arguments, logical arguments, without be without, I guess, any agendas attached to this formula. So again, it's a way to formulate an argument without actually using words. That sounds kind of crazy. So I'm going to go over one theorem, which is very, which is used over and over again by both the left and right. It's used more by the left, by the way. And this is called modus ponens. All right. Now, I have, I'm not going to go into why they call it modus ponens, but here is the equation. If P, then Q. P 
therefore q again it's an equation and you're thinking whoa what the hell is this steve like where does all the rhetoric go where, where does all the words go and what the hell is p and q stand for so the the term if p then q it's basically an implied conclusion all right so the first part of this modus modus ponens argument it's if p then q that's your implied conclusion so i'm going to break this down into rhetoric for you if P then Q is equivalent to, if there is a man, then he is a pig, okay? So P is if there is a man, right? And then Q is then he is a pig. So you, you get it, if P then Q. All right. Now, the second part of it is P, therefore Q. So the first part is if P then Q, P, therefore Q. So what P is that if then P is a true statement, okay? So this in this statement, we say Stephen is a man. And then we have to imply what Q is. Therefore, he is a pig. So what does this sound like? Women's logic, right? So again, I'll go over it one more time. I know it sounds a little confusing. If P, then Q. P, therefore Q. I'm going to change it to auto rhetoric. If there is a man, then he is a pig. Stephen is a man. Therefore, he is a pig. So it's very important that we know that in the first sentence, the first sentence is our implied, our first, our first argument is our implied conclusion, right? Whatever, whatever I say, the first line that comes out of my mouth, that's my implied conclusion. And then I'm going to say something true on the second line. So for example, the implied conclusion is that if, if there is a man, there is a pig. So if this is equivalent of saying, you know, all men are pigs. So you could literally say, all men are pigs. And then you could say, well, Stephen is a man. Now, that part is true, right? Stephen is a man. Um, Stephen is a man, P, right? Stephen is a man is true. So if that is true, then he must be a pig. So that's how it works. Now, we saw this implied in the Super Bowl, right, this past weekend by the media, and where the media would say, well, football players over 40 are past their prime. Tom Brady is 43, therefore he is past his prime. Now you see how, how this works? How about this one? Trump supporters are white supremacists. Well, Trump supporters gathered at the Capitol, therefore this means white supremacists were at the Capitol. You get it? So this is how this, is how this works, modus ponens, if P then Q, P therefore Q, and this is also known as um, groupthink or collective thinking, where you take one rule and apply it to everyone else. Now, why do they do this, right? Uh, well, first of all, number one, this argument right here is 100% logical because they're implying propositional logic, all right? But at the same time, here's the thing. Propositional logic can also be 100% false. Just because you make a logical argument, it doesn't mean it's actually true. In fact, part of it could be true, but the whole argument could be completely false. And usually the only part that is true is the second line, P. So the if P then Q can actually be completely false. Remember, you know, if there is a man, then he is a pig, that's completely false, right? But all we have to do is imply the second line to be true, Steve is a man. And therefore, you automatically imply the conclusion, right? Because I'm a man, I'm a pig. You know, Trump supporters were gathered at the Capitol. 
That means white supremacists were, were at the Capitol because all Trump supporters are white supremacists. This right here is the whole metaphoric thinking of the left. Now, here's the thing. For storytellers, we actually use this um, quite frequently. And um, so, for example, you'll, you'll say, you need this magic sword to kill the enemy. And if we don't have this magic sword, therefore we need to get it to kill the enemy. And this is a way to really make an argument to move the story forward. Um, again, it's very, very simple. Uh, and then it's very easy to sell this to the audience because it, it's a very logical argument. It, it kind of moves the story. You, you, you get what I'm saying here? Now, here's the thing. Propositional logic and this modus ponens way, it's only, it opens the door for lazy writing. And um, this is only implied, and when I say it's lazy writing, this is only implied when the author doesn't do any research and relies on rhetoric to make an argument. So you hear this all the time out there. There's no truth to the fact that Trump supporters are white supremacists. Now, I'm sure there's one or two or anything out there that are anything. And in fact, there's even a white supremacist on the, on the Democrat side. For the truth about it is that the Democrat side, you know, the Democrat, Dem Democrats actually started the KKK. That was a wing of the Democratic Party. But we can't conclude that all Democrats belong to the KKK. That would be completely wrong. But you could actually make that argument in a propositional logic. Like say, for example, there, you know, there are, there are, there are, Trump, there are KKK members who are Democrats. Well, Steve is a Democrat, therefore he must belong to the KKK. You can make that type of um, statement out there. It will be 100% true under modus ponens theorems, but it'll be also 100% wrong. But this is what they're doing. This is what the media is doing. And um, again, it's just a form of lazy writing because investigative journalism is just completely out of the window. So remember this. This is modus ponens, all right? If P, then Q, P, therefore Q. Hope I didn't bore you too much. Now, this directly segues into the, our, next, our next thing here, which is called reductio ad absurdum. So reductio ad absurdum, it literally means to reduce to absurdity. All right? So you take a regular statement and say, well, if you were... Now, this is a, this is a regular statement. Um, there's proof that if you wear a mask, you know, there, there's like anecdotal evidence that this mask may slightly prevent the spread of COVID in an enclosed area. Now, the reductio ad absurdum version is, if you don't wear a mask, people around you are going to die. Well, <laughs> haven't we heard that before, right? So what if, we, what if we take this reductio ad absurdum and apply it as our implied conclusion in modus ponens? Again, if you don't wear a mask, people around you are going to die. Now, again, we, we are ignoring the truth. The truth is, there is anecdotal evidence that masks may slightly prevent the spread of COVID in, in enclosed areas. That's a 100% truth. But the media will put out, if you don't wear a, wear a mask, people around you are going to die. Stephen has not worn a mask. Therefore, he is a murderer. And see that logic when they come out there? And that's why you see people who are, um, I guess, angry at Tom Brady because they actually think that because Tom Brady isn't wearing a mask, they're implying that he could be murdering people and not caring about the people around him. Oh, he's such a bad person. Again, they're using reductio ad absurdum at, for their implied conclusion. And this is really, really, really bad because, again, their reasoning, their reasoning is happening on an, on an absurd level. Okay, so another one. We'll go straight to the next one. 
climate change is an existential threat. Now, the truth about climate change is that we're not sure if CO2, uh, CO2 is a driving factor of, of heat right now. More than likely, there's way, the, way more factors rather, other than CO2. But that's not what they market. They say climate change is an existential threat. And by the way, if you don't drive a Tesla, you may be destroying the earth. And again, so again, climate change is an existential threat that's used as your implied conclusion. And now we're going to use reduct, uh, we're going to use modus ponens to say, well, you don't drive a Tesla. Therefore, you're destroying the earth. But look at me, I'm driving a Tesla. I'm, I'm driving a Prius. Therefore, I'm helping the earth. Understand how this all kind of goes around together. All of this, all of this right here is just a rhetorical argument. It's propositional logic. This right here, what I'm telling you here, these are methods, again, of fictional storytelling methods. Reductio ad absurdum, by the way, guess what it's used for? Comedy. 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 Completely co comedy. Okay, so I'm going to take a line from, uh, uh, I used to, when I was up there in California, I used to help um, um, punch up like comedy for some, some comedians here. But I'm going to take a line from what I did. Okay, I'm not going to name the comedian because he may get canceled. But anyway, so I'm going to I'm going to just read it out. Have you ever been whooped before as a kid? My mama whooped my ass so hard it fell off. I was holding it in my hand, and that was for getting an A minus in chemistry. These days, you kids come in last in a race. You get a medal, then your parents wonder why you're not trying hard enough in real life. Give me a break. Okay, so that's reductio ad absurdum. Now, this is reductio ad absurdum applied correctly because all he is saying is that, you know, you're, you wonder why your, you know, your kids are failing in real life because, you know, you're not being too hard. You're not being hard enough on them. You're not telling them the truth. But here's the problem with these, these days. The journalist would take literally what I just said, this comedian said, literally. So they'll say, oh, this comedian... He's talking about abusing a child. Maybe we should look whether or not he abuses a child. This comedian actually thinks abusing children are okay, and he's advocating child abuse. This is what they would do. This is what they did with Donald Trump. They would take his reductio ad absurdum, and then, and like a metaphor, again, it's an absurd metaphor, it's a comedic metaphor, and then interpret it literally. Like, and this is what we're doing with... With, uh, he's getting impeached literally on reductio ad absurdum. Now, he, Trump made a comment on there saying that, you know, you have to be like a boxer. You have to fight. You, you can't be like a boxer fighting with both hands. You have, to, you have to rise up to the occasion and fight back. And he's talking about rhetoric he, or, 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 the, or the legislators being strong and trying to fight against corruption on the left. That's what he's talking about. You have to be up there and fight. He was not saying those words to actually incite an insurrection or incite a riot. You know, there maybe there's some people out there who think, oh, God, he's saying inside a riot. No, he didn't say charge the Capitol, break into there and go and go and, and literally do it step by step. And here's what, here's what you got to do. No, he, that was a metaphor. That was reductio ad absurdum. He was taking it and, and kind of toying with it a little. But again, he is trying to be impeached on a metaphoric or analogy, reductio ad absurdum, an absurd statement. Could you imagine that? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. And again, the, this whole thing, this, this is the problem where we are today. Um, the, the left is not thinking in reality. And so we're going to go into an, my last topic here. It's what I call 
canon to reality. So what is canon? Now, first of all, canon is material that is accepted as being officially part of the story, all right? So when comic book nerds say, this isn't canon, or that's not canon, or this storyline is canon, that means it's actually canon to the original storyline. So for example, the, the latest Joker movie that came out, that's not really canon at all. Um, but and, and even Star Wars, the, the Last Jedi, that wasn't canon, even though they're saying it's canon. It's not canon because Princess Leia couldn't fly like Mary Poppins, but then she did so in that movie. You know, she flew through space. And that's why, you know, it's not canon, but that's why a lot of Star Wars fans went ballistic. Since when could we use the force to fly through space? That's not how, that's never been how the force is applied. Never, ever, ever, ever. So, and uh, by the way, canon is not even respected as it once was in filmmakers. So when you when you see a lot of movies coming out of Hollywood and their remakes, um, you know, they're disrespecting the canon. Well, for example, you know, they remade Magnum. Right, Magnum, Magnum PI, the old Magnum, old Magnum had Higgins, and Higgins was a dude. Well, in the new one, Higgins is a woman, right? And then Magnum is he kind of attracted to Higgins? I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it, you know. So that's kind of weird, right? So just you have to respect the canon. And then we have Equalizer that, that kind of premiered out on um on a on a right after the Super Bowl, the Equalizer. Now we got Queen Latifah in there as the equalizer. Well, the Queen, um, I like Queen Latifah, right? But the equalizer was a white British dude. You know, where did it, you know, equalizer's not a black woman. What if we had the Black Panther and all of a sudden it was a white, it's a white dude. White as white as pale is a Black Panther playing it, right? But we know canon, the Black Panther has to be black, right? What if Superman wore a pink costume? We know that's not canon, and he couldn't fly. He would run fast. We know that's not canon, right? Who, you know, it's the same exact thing. And people are just, they're disrespecting the canon. Um, last canon example, remember Iron Man? They had the Mandarin. Well, in the comics, the Mandarin, the Mandarin is Chinese, and he's a very powerful warlock. But in the movie, he's a white, bumbling actor. And the only reason why they do that is, did that is that they didn't want to, they didn't want to offend the Chinese, which is stupid, you know? So, so Marvel literally robbed us of an incredible showdown between machine versus magic. Yeah, th and this is the problem. They did that all out of fear, completely out of fear. So, you know, what I, what I like to say, I, I, I may have coined this term, I'm not sure if I did or not, but I would always tell people, keep things canon to reality. And whenever you write even science fiction, Try to make it as canon to reality as possible, and especially canon to reality of that world that you have. And when I say reality, well, for example, you know, if you go to space, there's no gravity, right? Very simple, right? So why is it in The Last Jedi they have bombs? You know, but, you know, we know for a fact in space there's no gravity, yet you're dropping bombs in space. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, it doesn't make sense in The Last Jedi that when you actually run out of fuel, you stop going forward in space. When, you know, you could, we know for a fact that, well, things go, go in orbit. Well, the Earth doesn't have no gas, it's not gas powered. And it's still orbiting for how, long, how many years, right? So it's just really stupid. You know, keep things grounded to reality. And here's the problem. You have the government. You have, you know, the liberal media. In fact, you even have even Republicans who, who don't ground their arguments in reality. 
Now we'll go back to modus ponens, right? If P then Q. Now this is how it ties all together. That implied conclusion should be canon to reality. It should be always try to be canon to reality. It shouldn't be some form of rhetoric out there, you know, and you just try to use one form of rhetoric and then you apply it to everyone on there. And your initial implied conclusion, your if P then Q line is actually completely false. Because if you're going to apply it to an entire, you know, um, an entire like race of people or, or group, which you shouldn't anyway, it should be pretty close pretty close to the truth, right? And, you know, and it's okay, you know, collective thinking, when applied correctly, it's okay. For example, when we apply, you know, collective thinking to psychology, right, and say, well, these are the traits of narcissistic personality disorder. But we can't say, well, Donald Trump has some of these traits, therefore he is a narcissist. And you ignore the other parts of the traits of a narcissist. And you, then you even have psychologists who sign on and say, well, we all believe Donald Trump is a narcissist, narcissist because, well, he always talks about himself in a glowing manner and he doesn't want to work with anyone else. And he's very, and he's stubborn. He doesn't want to listen to anyone else. Well, by the way, he does listen to other people and he does. And that's why he always had the person who disagreed with him in, in the room with him. He didn't have yes men in the room with him all the time. That's why Dr. Fauci was there. He disagreed with Dr. Fauci a lot. He didn't like Dr. Fauci disagreeing with him, but he still had him in the room there because he still wanted to hear what he had to say. And if you ever read his book, um, The Art of the Art of the Deal, he would always talk about that. You would always have to, if you wanted to succeed in life, you would have to have people in the room who disagreed with you. And by the way, when we work on stories or we work on anything, I always wanted people in my room who always disagreed with me, who always would say, say, Steve, this is not great. And, you know, my co-writer, you know, you know, my co-author of a lot of all my scripts and all that, he would always say, this is not good, this is not good. And, you know, it's kind of hard to take it on the chin, but then you come up with something better. But when you start working with people and they're, all you have is the yes-men around you, you're going to come up with, you know, conclusions that are really, really off. They're just completely biased. You know, you'll lose, you, you'll lose a lot of money, make the wrong decisions, because you, you won't sit down and listen to other people. And Donald Trump was that not that type of person. But here's the thing. These um, psychologists, they know for a fact that he would, he would listen to other people. They let, it, they let that information go out and they, they created an implied conclusion based upon they lied to you, based upon false pretenses. And therefore, they encourage you to come to this... Co- False conclusion that he's a narcissist, right? When he built the border wall, he said he wanted to build the border wall. Who did he consult? He consulted the people on the, on the border. He consulted those people, the, 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 the border patrol. And they told him, we need this type of wall at this high, and we, we needed the slats between them, all of these things. That's not the wall he wanted. He wanted these long, big concrete walls, right, that were really, really high. They said no. He listened. A narcissist would have not listened. All right? So that proves to you that right there, you know, this is how, how they're going to do it. You know, this is how he operates. Therefore, he's not a narcissist. He may be very confident of, of himself. But anyway, and this is the problem again, too. So we, we, we have here the left and also the right. They use reductio ad absurdum. Uh, again, absurd logic. We'll just say that paranoid absurd logic as their implied conclusion. Now, I see this on the right. 
I see this on the right, right? And especially with, you know, vaccines, a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, this vaccine didn't work and that vaccine, they'll say, well, the flu shot didn't work. The flu shot is a vaccine. Therefore, if you get, if, therefore, the COVID, the COVID um, shot is a vaccine. Therefore, both don't work because the flu shot doesn't work. By the way, the, the COVID vaccine, COVID is the, the, the COVID, COVID vaccine doesn't work because the flu shot doesn't work. You know, again, they're both different. They're, but they're using propositional logic, modus ponens, to say if anything applies to the flu vaccine, right, that doesn't work, which that's true, it doesn't work. Well, that means this other vaccine doesn't work. No, that's not true. Look at the science. The science says the COVID vaccine does work. Stop relying on propositional logic, I'm talking to you Republicans, to come to a conclusion. Because that's what you're doing. You're using completely proposition, propositional, propositional logic, you know, based upon your flu vaccine, to come to a conclusion on the COVID vaccine, right? And then, and even though that right there, in, a, in the whole total of that thinking right there, that's reductio ad absurdum. So, huh, you know, it, it, this is this type of logic, this type of storytelling. It's used by both the left and right. It's, I see it being used more on the left than the right. Uh, because here's the thing. Here's a really inter- interesting thing. These are not just um, uh, fictional storytelling methods, right? These can be applied to real life. But these right here are used when you don't do your homework. You don't do your research. Now, a lot of times, you can still lie though while telling the truth. And this is where things get really, really tricky because a lot of conspiracy theories are rooted in the truth. And that's an entirely different topic to talk about because a lot of these conspiracy theories out there on the right are rooted in some form of truth. And that's when you actually have to sift through all the, 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 the BS and you have to get, get through all of that, all of that um, baloney they're making because those, story, those storytellers right there on the on the right-hand side, the conservatives, we're talking to Alex Jones, um, the QAnon, those are really well-researched and cr- really well-crafted stories. And um, they don't use, by the way, they don't use reductio ad absurdum, they don't use modus ponens. They actually use research, and then they kind of twist it a little, but they kind of connect the facts back and forth. You know, they, they kind of draw their little spider webs of like, of, of um, I guess, uh, subplots and everything in here and conspiracy and also theories and motivations behind everything. And then all of a sudden they weave this very believable storyline, which is how you make a really great movie. And um, by the way, great movies, they don't use modus ponens. They don't use reductio ad absurdum, not at all. And they try to, they try to keep things canon to reality, even if it's their reality is in that fictional world that, that they created. And these conspiracy theories, by the way, they are canon to reality, but again, their reality also consists of these very intricate conspiracy theories, all right? And that's where you can't really, you know, just say, hey, well, that's absurd and that's absurd. No, you have to go in there and just research it and say, well, your research is kind of bad here and you're interpreting this scientific study very wrong. So um, it's a little different there. So anyway... That's the the um, 
the, what I want to talk about. I hope I didn't lose you folks. I, this is a, I know this is a little bit different here. This is more about storytelling method, methodology. Uh, and this is how I look at things through my scope. Because when I see Nancy Pelosi talking, when I see liberals talking, or when I see even Republicans talking, I can just see right through them. I can see all of these storytelling methods. And, um, and there's, again, there's more than just these two or these three that I talked about. Um, and uh, I just have to shake my head. I say, I, I can't believe they're using this to control the masses. I mean, these things, you know, again, sh- these methods of storytelling should actually be left, you know, for, you know, for the silver screen, right? For movies or for novels. The, um, but when they're used in politics, they become propaganda. And it's completely propaganda. Um, now, if you're, if you're a liberal and you're v- viewing a conservative, I mean, let me tell you, you should actually go out there. Instead of listening to all this rhetoric out there and all these absurdities out there, go out there, listen to the Republicans, listen to the conservatives, meet Trump supporters, and learn and see if they're actually xenophobic, racist, you know, out of their mind, conspiracy theorists. Now, you may meet a few who are conspiracy theorists. But again, you know, see if they're actually the, this devil that the left actually, you know, you know professes that they are. Like, like me, I don't, I don't sound like the devil, do I? But on the right, you should also go out there and be friends with the left as well. And then... And then see if they're, they're all, again, paranoid and fear-mongering and, and just completely out of their minds out there. And you'll find, here's what I find about it. You know, on the left, they're not, they're not stupid people, all right? Now, I, well, a lot of my friends are on the right, but I have a lot of friends who are very, who are very much on the, on the right, on the left. They have big hearts. And ultimately... Again, they're, the reason why they, they want everyone to wear the mask is because they have a really, really big heart. They don't want anyone else to die. They don't want more people to die. Um, the, re, the reason why they want everyone to get the vaccine is they want more people to die. They, they don't want, they're that caring. And they actually, actually believe that Donald Trump is a racist and he's xenophobic. And they don't want any of that in our country. Now, the truth is we both don't want any of that in our country. And we both don't want people to die from COVID. We can actually, you know... You know, meet on 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 um, I guess at the center on these type of like topics. The question that we just have to, or I think the the ideas that we just have to get through, is that <laughs> are we are we paranoid in our thinking? You know, are are they paranoid or are we paranoid? And I think paranoia can go both ways. And um, should we trust? the data coming out of the, of the government? Should we trust a story that the government uh, comes out and tells us all the time? Or should we be you know, skeptical, a healthy skeptic? Not paranoid, but a healthy skeptic. And I think those are the, the conversations that we should have with those on the left. Um, and I think maybe we could just meet on some hollow ground and hopefully like, try to get more people. And I think, well, let's get more people. But here's, here, here's what I find. When you start talking to people on the left and you get, get them on that hollow ground and when I say hollow ground, they're, re, they're removing their emotions, their fears, their agendas and you start explaining to them, not in my nerdy way of saying, oh, what you're thinking is reductive ad absurdum, modus ponens. No, no, no. Said, speak, speak non-nerd to them, right? 
and just start if when they start listening to the argument and their eyes and their brains start to open and this is how i've actually converted a lot of my friends to be conservatives yeah and, and i've i've actually convinced more than just one a lot of them and and they, and they actually said wow thanks for really opening up my eyes and then when they looked back at the people on the left or the liberals they say wow they're just all emotion they, that, that's they're just so angry all the time they're they're just so triggered by trump and I don't see that person anymore that I did before. I don't, I don't see the xenophobic person. I don't see this racist person who hates blacks because I see Donald Trump shaking hands with blacks. I see black Trump supporters. I see, I see all the good he's doing for blacks. How can he hate black people and, and then give black colleges more money than Obama gave black colleges? That's not what he would think. That's not what I think or what a racist would do. And their mind starts going... Haywire, it's it's this conflict, right? If you tell the left that, a very strong progressive that, they're so tied into their their metaphoric thinking, they can't let go. They really can't let go. So this is where we're at right now. (laughs) And unfortunately, if it's true that Biden won 80 million votes, and let's say it is true, um, that means most of America has gone paranoid. And it's really true. I think. I think that's there may be there may be an argument about that. You know that may be actually hundred percent true. All right, everyone. I am out of here. Hope I didn't bore you to death. I know this podcast was got a real a little bit nerdy there, and uh, I hope I was able to tie it all together at the end. And um, I promise the next the next few podcasts won't be as nerdy. I'll try to tone it back. <laughs> I just I just really hope it made sense. All right, guys, I am out of here, and you guys have a nice day.